0: Welcome to Between Two Printers, a podcast where we will discuss all things 3D printing and o and I'm your host, Jeff, and I've been with Warham for the past 19 years. And Recently, my role has been increasingly revolving around 3D printing. So we decided to create a podcast to discuss and share some of the learnings we've had along this journey. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Between Two Printers. I am joined by Chris Hanford. Hey, Chris, how's it going?
1: Going good, Jeff. Uh, thanks for having me today. This is Chris. Uh, I've been with Vorum since two thousand and two, so a lot of our listeners uh, may have met me over the years. Uh, today, I think you know I want to get into a little bit of the difference between the various printing technologies out there. I, I certainly am always curious to find uh, you know which ones uh, are most appropriate for ONP and P uh, and how the various technologies you know may. Uh, may fit in better uh, for various types of, uh, of devices.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's, let's just start at a, at a really high level with sort of three kind of core technologies. Um, we've got FDM, also known as FFF, stands for either fused deposition manufacturer or fused filament fabrication. Uh, what this is really is you start with either pellets or a filament, uh, and it gets melted and then pushed through a nozzle and then deposit it onto a table and then then either the head moves up or the table moves down and it builds the shape layer by layer. Contrast that with a powder-based technology like SLS or MJF. Um, What happens there is a layer of powdered materials, most often nylon, gets laid out and then uh, something like a laser or whatever, ends up heating up specific elements of that powder to solidify parts. And then another tiny layer of the powder is deposited on top, and that process is repeated as it goes up. Uh, And then lastly, or not lastly, but the other sort of major one are resin-based technologies like SLA or DLP. So SLA is stereolithography. And in that instance, a little laser goes around and cures the, the liquid resin. It operates very much like the old TDs and monitors did. And DLP is digital light processing. Instead, what happens there is you have a bulb with a UV light, generally speaking, and uh, an LCD screen in between. And the pixels are turned off or on, uh, white or black effectively, letting through the light or not. And instead of going around the way the SLA does, DLP cures an entire layer at a time.
1: Uh, cool, so for the uh, FDM or um, you know fused filament fabrication, uh, what are some of the characteristics of you know how that can be applied to OMP? So right off the bat, one of the
0: nicest things about it, I think, in terms of being, being able to adapt your existing uh, workflows and materials and stuff, F, uh, FDM printing has the probably widest availability of materials. Um, what really it comes down to is, can it melt and then resolidify, And if the answer is yes, then you can make stuff for it, uh, because all that's happening is it's being pushed through a hot nozzle, becoming soft enough that it can be sort of laid down onto the table and then cooled off either by the ambient temperature or by fans or a little bit of both. The toughest part about FDM printing, however, is dealing with overhangs. Um, And the reason for that is if you have a really sharp overhang, there's nothing underneath it to support it uh, unless you put something there to support it. So the implication is if you have something that ends up going kind of uh, creating a little bit of an overhang, you need to put extra material underneath to hold it and then that material needs to be clipped off, and the surface where it contacted the printed object needs to be finished, uh, meaning a little bit of sanding or sandblasting or something like that. the The other two technologies or technology groups really that I mentioned have kind of no issues with that, or less issues with that. So that's one of the the challenges with uh, FDM.
1: Yeah, are there the are other a, thing, Oh, sorry. Are there are there? Uh, areas in the devices that we've seen designed that uh, require um, more of those uh, supports to be uh, printed?
0: Yeah, so certainly for a lot of the sockets that I've seen printed, there's not any need for support materials. So those ones are very well suited to be printed on an FDM printer. Conversely, um, I've seen some wrist braces, and very often the part that goes over the thumb is such that it will require support material. So there's definitely some considerations about what specific devices you are going to print. If you're trying to print a little bit of everything, uh, then obviously that makes things a little bit tougher on you. But if you are focusing your fabrication on very specific devices, then you've got the opportunity to choose a printer that, that suits you the best based on the, uh, based on the print technology that, that, it, that it has.
1: Are there any other characteristics of the FDM uh, to consider? So yeah, depending on the types of shapes that you're doing, it
0: can be very useful to uh, to have a technology that does a much larger volume per unit time if you're predominantly printing larger things. As I've said before, there are some printers and print technologies that are better suited to much smaller objects uh, who have a much slower unit volume per unit time print speeds, but it works out fine when you have these smaller, uh, smaller shapes and smaller features.
1: Um, for the SLS or MJF, uh, how how do those uh, fare with uh, you know ONP devices?
0: So one of the challenges
1: right now is
0: the materials availability. Unlike FDM, which just takes kind of any thermoplastic, the powder based technologies for the moment, at least the plastic ones, are predominantly nylon or, uh, or some, uh, some variants of it, so nylon with carbon fiber, for example. So that can be a challenge if you're looking for uh, different material properties. Now, that said, uh, like all of the technologies, they're all doing their best to add more materials, and recently HP has added TPU, or thermoplastic urethane, as being one of their available materials. So that, that opens up a few more options with that print technology. Um, The other point I guess I didn't mention on FDM that sets it apart I think in a very positive way is it's certainly the, uh, what I call, fastest time to first part. And and what that means is if I want to make a single device and I want it in a hurry, which of these technologies is gonna get me something that I can deliver to a patient as quickly as possible? And so the reason for that is on FDM, when the print is done printing, Uh, you take it out and maybe do a little bit of finishing on some edges and stuff, but it's more or less ready to go. With the powder-based technologies, uh, you've got a couple of things going on. One of which is there is a long cooling time that's required, and that cooling time is typically on the order of whatever the print time was. So even if you could get a uh, powder print the same speed or same amount of time as the FDM print, you then need to wait. Uh, for it to cool down before you can take it out. The other side of that is on the powder-based technologies, as well as the resin-based technologies, you have a, effectively a time per layer, and it doesn't matter how much or how little is on that layer. So they really benefit when you're able to completely fill the work volume of the printer on an FDM printer, that issue doesn't exist the same way. If you want to fill up one quarter of your print uh, just by doing one device on sort of the front left of the bed, assuming that, you know, four would fit, you're going to cut down the print time by by doing just the one device. Uh, In the other two technologies, it's typically going to end up being a very, very similar time whether you do the one or the four.
1: Okay. have we seen any specific device types that, uh, you know, that work well with the SLS?
0: Uh, I mean, with the SLS, we've certainly seen stuff being done with sockets, AFOs, insoles, um, kind of all of them, or, or not all of them, but what's what's advantageous with them, uh, as I said, when talking about supports on FDM, because the powder uh, because of the way the powder technology is used, that powder will support the other material as you go. So powder-based technologies don't require support material when you're doing uh, overhangs. So that gives you more flexibility about how you can position the part in the print volume, uh, and it saves the the manual steps of cleaning up support material. So that's a really good thing. The other side is uh, in terms of the precision, Um, And I'm not talking about whether or not this is going to fit the patient or not, but rather small features. The powder-based technologies give a little bit more flexibility in terms of very small features, whether those are lattice-type structures within a device or uh, incorporating a patient name or an order number or something like that directly into the product. Those are a lot easier to do with the powder-based technologies.
1: Okay. Cool. So switching over to the, uh, to DLP, um, technology that you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen videos where it, it looks like this stuff is printing super fast and, uh, in this industry, you know, anything we can do to reduce, reduce turnaround time or increase uh, throughput is, uh, is a huge win. Um, is this technology actually as, as quick as it looks and how does it bear against those other, um, those other technologies? So, there's,
0: there's obviously a variety depending on the, the machine um, as well as I have yet to see a 3D print video that wasn't sped up um, and they're mm-hmm. all sped up by different amounts and you really need to look at that to, to get a sense of what, uh, what the print speed really is, whether it's reported as the time for a full print volume or whichever. Um, it's very likely the, the, one, the one that may be standing out for you is one that's not quite listed here and that's the carbon uh, which is another resin technology. In both of the SLA and DLP, it really does print uh, layer by layer. So it prints everything in X and Y and then moves up and then prints another bit in X and Y and move up. Carbon uses CLIP technology and the CLIP, the C and CLIP uh, stands for continuous. And what that means is rather than doing a layer and then moving up and doing another layer and moving up, it is continually moving up as it goes around printing everything. Um, That allows it to go a little bit faster because it doesn't have this step of pulling away from and then back into the material. So what typically happens in the DLP, for example, is a layer is cured and then that layer gets pulled off of the plastic sort of separation layer and then plunged back into the material just a little bit higher than it was before. Um, So, there's this extra motion that happens at every single layer in both DLP and SLA, which is eliminated in the carbon printing. The challenge with carbon is, uh, as fast as it is for the majority of O&P devices, it's not really suitable because it's just too small. Um, And so, that's going to be an impact as well. Obviously, if you can't fit the object that you want to print into the printer that you're looking at, it's not really suitable.
1: Are there uh, areas uh, that we've seen that are suitable for o n p uh, with the d l. p uh technology uh certainly the
0: smaller shapes still are are quite feasible to do, but as with the powder technologies compared with f d m there are still fewer choices for materials um The other issues to consider there's a bunch of extra post-processing steps that are involved. So basically what happens is when you take the print out of the printer, you need to first clean off any remaining resin, which will be all over your print. Uh, and then that part will generally need a post-curing because it's only sort of partially cured and it, it exists in a green state uh, at the end of the print. And then of course, because of the materials that are that are being used, um, you would need to be a little bit more careful in terms of you know, wearing rubber gloves, having proper ventilation, all those sorts of things while you're working with it. Um, and ultimately, that fewer choices in materials is certainly going to be a tougher thing to reconcile with respect to bi- biocompatibility regulations surrounding uh, O&P devices.
1: Yeah, very cool. I think we can do a whole episode on the biocompatibility stuff. <laughs> And then some. <laughs> Very good. Um, anything else that you want to uh, comment? Just on the differences the, the between last, technologies?
0: The last thing that I would highlight on the resin technologies as well, because it is a curing process as opposed to a heating and melting and reforming process, um, you don't have the opportunity to do heat reforming. Now, if every device you make is perfect the first time and the patient never changes, ha, 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 um, then that's fine. But it certainly means that you're a little bit challenged in that you don't have the option of doing any heat reforming to the final print that you can <clears throat> with FDM and certainly
1: you can a little bit with the powder-based technologies. Oh, Very cool. Well, thanks a lot, Jeff. Uh, learned a ton today. Uh, look forward to another episode. Thanks for joining me. Talk to you later. If you enjoyed
0: this episode, feel free to like review or share on whichever platform you're listening on. We build these episodes according to what we think you want to hear. So please do leave us some feedback by either leaving a comment or
1: reaching out to us at info@forum.com. Until then, take care.